Welcome back to another episode of Bosnian American Professionals Podcast. My name is Nedim Ramić. And I'm Dr. Avdić. I'm a chiropractor here in St. Louis. And today's guest is very special to our Bosnian American community here in the St. Louis area. You know, I, I tried to think of an introduction for you, Jamo, but... I don't have it. It's, it's hard, it's man, hard. because you are everywhere. everywhere and mostly you're doing just amazing things here for the not just the bosnian american community but i think you know for the refugee community and the immigrant community in the st louis area um your your your, your charitable work is just impressive. amazing it really is impressive oh, thank my friend. you so here's what i could come up with jamal biedic uh you got your name uh, according to a very famous Yugoslavian politician yeah, back in the day. That's why they gave me they gave me kind of name. And of you are a St. Louis City Police Chaplain. Yeah. As well as very involved with the nonprofit House of Goods yeah. um, organization that basically is helping immigrants and refugees um, kind of settling in the St. Louis area. Yeah. And you are just one of those go-to guys for the Bosnian-American community, or as you call them, the Habibis, right? So, Jamo, tell us a little bit more about yourself, my friend. Where, you know, let's start with, you know, where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from, uh, I was born in Dubrovnik, but we, I lived in Trebinje, which is not far away from Dubrovnik, like maybe 20, 20, 30 miles. So we used to live in in Trebinje, but I was born in Dubrovnik, so basically we had a house in Dubrovnik and Trebinje. So I'm, most of my time uh, I lived in Dubrovnik, went to school and all that, you know. Then the war came in 91 in Croatia, we couldn't go back to Trebinje, so we, we basically stayed still, you know, in Dubrovnik during the war, the whole war. And then when the war ended, you know, we went to, to Germany uh, for like two years because in Trebinje the house was destroyed, you know. So we were in Germany after we came back to Croatia. But in that time it was hard for uh, if you if you were a Muslim to basically go to any good school, you know. So my mom decided that to come to the United States for America for us to get better education. We could have gone to school, but they will give you to go to school to be a, like a bartender, server, you know, just what happened. My older brother, Mirza, you know, he went to apply for one of these colleges in Croatia, and, you know, they thought that that my dad was uh, Croatian, non-Muslim, and uh, when they found out both parents are Muslim, they wouldn't accept him. So my mom decided, let's go. So when did, you, when did you guys arrive in the United States? Uh, we came in the United States on December 23rd, 1997. Okay. And what was your impression of the United States, you know, when you first, first arrived? That's, you know, that's typically my question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first impression was, you know, I mean, when it first came, we lived with one of my father's cousins, you know, for, for a month, and then we got our own apartment. It was, you know, we came and, you know, you had one small couch, you know, the International Institute gave you and uh, like a mattresses and bed. And, uh, you know, it was kind of hard, small apartment, two bedroom apartment or, you know, the pressure was hard, you know, you weren't used to it. And 
you know, it was crying. I remember my mom, she was crying because it wasn't like in Germany, you know. In Germany, when we came, you live in a government complex, you know. You know, you didn't have to work, you know. You had a social assistant from the government. When you came here, you know, you put you in a small two-bedroom apartment and all this. And then, you know, have no furniture and all that. And it was kind of hard first three months. And then my mom and dad started working in the factory. And we got used used to it. I went to the middle middle school and it was kind of hard you don't speak no english the language you know and all that you know kids other kids used to make fun of us you know of the that time it was bosnian refugees mostly coming and they used to make fun of us and all this because we didn't speak the english you know and they used to call us names know that you know fun it was kind of hard you know and you know going to the school bus and all that i remember one time i got lost in the area and you know finally you know with my i mean, i spoke some language i found out the way you know so it was kind of pretty scary you know first of all but we got used to it you know then i started going to high school uh, i went to southern southern international studies and uh, i mean it kind of you know picked up my first job you know working in a holiday inn being a bus boy you know so i was probably 16 years old and you know you you just kind of realize you know the uh, how in america is different than germany you have to work because you know i mean international institutes or we read the uh, I mean on the chat whatever they used to call the, the, the I mean the Catholic charity they will help you for a couple three months and then you on your own mm-hmm. then you realize that you have to pay bills that you have to do this you know a lot of people thought that a lot of even to this day the refugees get government money and all that stuff I mean for most of the refugees they do for three months after three months you know you on your own so to expand on your uh, on schooling, I know you we took some classes together at Linda. Yeah, did you end up going anywhere else or no? I went I, after what happened. You know, actually, at first I went after the high school. I went to community college, Mamek, for one year and a half. But my brother, he graduated before high school a year before, and he went to Lindawood. He was one of the first Bosnians that went to Lindawood. Him and a couple more. He's friends you know and then uh, when I when I you know went there was a lot of more Bosnians coming and all that stuff you know at Lindenwood yeah Lindenwood yeah a lot of Bosnians more started coming and so did you get your undergrad from Lindenwood University yeah I got my BA in criminal justice what happened you know when I was a community college man like you know they ask you you know what kind of what you want to study so for some reason I wanted to do criminal justice. Everybody, all the bosses were doing international business at that time. I, I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that because most of uh, because of some of the Bosnians or most of them they spoke two languages. So some of them spoke Germany, and they, everybody wanted to do international business. I wanted to do criminal justice because I took criminal justice. I was like, ooh, you know, maybe it's, I like helping people and, you know, it was doing with the law enforcement or probation parole, all that stuff, or, you know, I wanted to help out people. So, I mean, I went to Linderwood and after, 
then I moved after community college, I moved to Inderwood, then I, you know, after I graduated, uh, because my brother was in the military, he was in the United States Marine, so when he was overseas, so I was like, maybe I should join the military, you know, after the school, I was going to join for maybe like, not Marines, but the Army or Air Force, you know, because Marines are a little tough, especially for me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, I'm not like my brother, you know, Miza, you know, he can, you know. So he's, he's the Rambo in the He's the Rambo, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was like, my niece, when he told me the boot camp and all that, I was like, you know what, man, let's join the Air Force or Navy, something. <laughs> so what happened, you know, uh, one of the, because to my years, I used to volunteer in uh, in the mosque, Islamic Community Center with Imam Hasid, you know, when I was going to in the you know, doing administration work, helping around the mosque and different issues. So I would meet different people coming to the mosque, you know, uh, just, you know, when they, when the people have some kind of issues, you know, either marriage issue, problem with kids and everything, first thing they're going to come, where they're going to go to the mosque. Because a lot of people think when it even comes to being an imam, you know, or hoja, how we call it, in Bosnia, they think the job is easy, you know, hoja only prays, you know, drives a nice car, all that. No, eventually, <laughs> no, it's not, because you have different people coming to that door with different issues. You are a psychiatrist, you are a doctor, and all, you know, all the above, you know. So, would you say that you work with the mask was your door? That to to op- that opened up to the Bosnian community in general. Yeah, yeah. So that's where you kind of started. Being that more involved started in because uh, I used to deal with different people, different issues. It's basically like you're a psychiatrist, you're a lawyer, all this, you know. People would come, oh, either they had immigration issue, you they have with their kids problems and all this. So when you see in in general, you know where do the when majority of people come, not only Bosnians, you know, with, with the immigrant community. Uh, basically, who are Muslim faith, you know, they will always come to the mosque because that's the only place that they can, you know, let's talk to the Imam. And you will sit in that office listening to a person's problem, you know, and or different issues that he has, you know, and then you would try to help him. That's kind of how, how I got involved with the Bosnian community, you know. And how did you end up becoming a chaplain? So, after being in the mosque and all this, they had this citizen academy, you know, in the city. So I signed up for that, you know. I was like, you know what, I, that, that, that time I graduated, you know, and all this, you know. So I was like, look, seeing what I'm going to do. Either military, apply for the military, or join the police department, be a police officer. So I, went, I joined, the, like, they had this citizen academy at that time. It was for like a month, you know, so I joined that, you know, just to see, you know, experience how it's going to be in a, you know, in a city. So one of the instructors said, you know, and he asked me, you know, asked me some question, what you do in free time? I told him I want to in the mask and he told me, hey, we need a Muslim police chaplain and all this, you know, I'll put you to... You know, I'll, in the context with this chaplain unit and, you know, Technically, you know, they gave me our like application to fill up, you know, when I graduated Citizen Academy, you know, they were like, hey, talk to this in charge chap, you know, this, he came to the, I remember that day, he came, he was like, oh, let me meet, he came to the mosque, 
the the chief of the chaplains, and he was like, you know, we need a Muslim police chaplain in a, in a city community because they never had one, you know, they always were trying to get one, but it was basically say hard, you know, because the, as a police chaplain, it's not the only you deal with the officers when they need help. You deal basically with the community that you are stationing, you know, different issue, crime, shootings, uh, death notification, uh, different issues like you know demonstration or like something happens in the community and and I think you were you were uh, mentioning earlier that you used to get calls at any times just like two in the morning two in the morning day. even before I was a chaplain you know in the mosque you know people would give me two in the morning three in the morning even to this day I get it you know <laughs> you know let me ask you this so the city of St Louis has got you as a Muslim chaplain do you know if the county has anything like that. So what happened, you know, uh, you know, the county needed a Muslim uh, chaplain too, you know, and they wanted me to move to the county, and, you know, <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I was like, I had to stay in the city because I live in the city, I'm kind of used to the city. I mean, county is like good, but, you know, to be honest with you, I like the city area, I like my Habibis, you know, you have the Palestinians, <laughs> you have the Somalians, you have the Vietnamese in one area, you know, it's kind of, you, you have cause, cause, cause stores and different, I kind of like the city, you know. So what happened, you know, I kind of jetted their office, so they, they were looking for a county chaplain and they found one in West County, they have a Pakistani, but he's like a part-time, you know, over there in West County. So technically I was the first one, you know, in the whole state, you know, and majority were police chaplains, you know, it's like I explained, you know, you know, basically dealing with the, when officer has issues, but because I am kind of... In t because there's a large Muslim community, around 80,000 to 100,000 Muslims in St. Louis, maybe more now, everybody moving. We have, like, we have some refugees moving from different states to St. Louis because we are in the Midwest. It's easier to find jobs, and it's kind of, life is not, not that expensive compared to other states. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why my family yeah. moved to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up working with the House of Goods? How did that come to be? So what happened, you know... And give us a, give us a little yeah. bit of background on, on House of Goods. What, yeah. you know, give us a little bit of information about what, what the organization does and how it came to yeah. be. So what happened with House of Goods, you know, is, you know... I, you know, I, I met the first Syrian refugees, you know, I was, I was, I was just working patrolling the street and one time, you know, there was a domestic disturbance call in the area over there by Gravos and, and it was Gravos and uh, near Chippewa in that area. So, you know, the officers handled it, I was there and one of the Bosnian person that I know that lived in the area, you know, he pulled me over and uh, he was like, hey Jim, how are you doing? There's a refugee family, I think they're from Syria, because at that time, you know, a lot of things was, everybody, the, there was news media focusing on Syria and everything was, go, was going on in Syria, the war and stuff. And they need some help, you know, you know, I, the Bosnian guy was telling me I gave him some milk and all that stuff, you know, food, and I knocked at the door, you know, I spoke, I speak some, I spoke some, you know, Arabic, you know, because I learned it before, before I graduated from college, I went to, I worked in a gas station, you know, and sometimes I do still, like, part-time, you know, and all that, 
And, you know, I, I knocked the door and I met this family there from Syria. They spoke some English too, you know, and, you know, they didn't have no furniture, no nothing. So I went, oh, I went on Facebook because everybody these days has Facebook, you know. I just asked, you know, hey, uh, there's a refugee family, they need some help, you know. And you might want to donate my causing furniture, food, and, you know, especially Bosnia started just sending me messages and all that. So I was like, where am I going to put all this stuff? So I went to Islamic Community Center Imam Hasid and I asked him, hey, you know, you have a, a behind the built, behind the mosque, he has the extra room that he just built, you know. And I was like, can I put these donations over here? And he said, it's fine, you know. And then, you know, Bosnia started, you know, just bringing stuff. Then I went to International Institute, one of the social workers, he told me there was more refugees, you know. So, so I will go with him, visit these uh, refugees, and we will basically ask them what they need and all that. And then, you know, how Bosnians, you know, because they started just donating stuff for the, the, the half of the mosque <laughs> over there in the city was full with donations. So I had to find a second plan. So I went to West County Mosque and we, you know, because I also, you know, I'm also in a, a committee for the funeral, you know, we have a funeral, a first Muslim funeral home over there. So I was like, hey guys, you know, we have these refugees coming, why don't we just open like a, something like a goodwill, you know, to, so we can help the refugees, but not only refugees, you know, like I told them, you know, and also non-refugees, poor community in St. Louis City, you know, mm -hmm. because when I became chaplain, I patrolled in the north, north St. Louis, and I saw how people, you know, struggle to daily basis, you know. Bas just talking communication to the people, you learn about their different issues, you know. And I was like, let's open something and all this, and eventually they said, you know, oh, what are we going to call it? And one of the guys, you know, he was he's a, he's a county chaplain, also a funeral director, and he was like, let's call it House of Goods Bay tomorrow. But, you know, but they were, first of all, they were like, committee was like, who gonna earn it? You know, that's a headache because charity isn't easy, you know. <laughs> People think yeah. it's easy, but it's not, you know. And who gonna earn it? Who gonna pay for the building? How we gonna do it? So what the committee decided, you know, it's like, decided, you know, let's, let's just rent the building for six months. Let's see how it's gonna go. So we start for uh, six months, you know. They said, you wanna be in charge, you earn it, you know, this. And like I told them, you know, I want to not only help refugees, say, and if I want to help other refugees and other people, you know, in need. The less fortunate. Less fortunate, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of poor people, not only refugees. You have, like, in the North City, East City, you have even in the South Side, even in the South County, even in Fenton areas. And after six, you know, so when we first started, Again, you know, Bosnian community started donating, then the power spent. When people saw what we are doing on Facebook, on my Facebook, because I got 5,000 friends, and then the Palestinian community got involved too, so more. So place was too small, and so we had to find a bigger building. So one of the, one of the better, you know, in West County, Mask, you know, he, you know, he said, you know what, I'll, you know, I can find your building, all this. So one of his friends, you know, said, you know what, I'm going to buy this, you know, and, you know, for you guys and all that. And 
so basically we move to uh, southwest of so 59 11 southwest so house of goods was you know basically start from with uh, thanks to islamic foundation because without the some foundation of greater st louis there'll be no funding and all that but we kind of the other po me and another poet shop and we gave this idea you know to them and to that because running a charity organization is not easy you know you know thank god we don't have to pay for the building but you have utility bills and all this and you know and you know people people like when they see that you're doing good work people like to donate but majority of people especially now everything went up the food went up you know and all this some people working paycheck put paycheck so it's kind of hard for people to donate all this you know so we most of most of the uh, people that are, that are in house of goods you know they are volunteers you know and you know everybody has a job you know so that's why we are open from 8 in the morning till 12 you know these days and saturdays uh, we open 8 to 3 but sometimes we stay all longer picking up those couches so house of goods was basically started to help the syrian refugee but my goal like i told the committee was to i wanted to help everybody you know because like islamic foundation uh okay Saint Louis, they have a funeral first muslim funeral home uh, same thing issue when he started doing the you know we doing when we have janazas we used to pay in uh, JB Smith funeral around four or five thousand you know for a Muslim funeral burial and to the point that we were like you know sometimes you know when somebody passes away either Bosnian community and somebody you know sometimes the family doesn't have money you know and you know majority Bosnian don't have life insurance. They don't yeah, take. That's, true. that's the problem. And then sometimes, if a if a if a person is a mayor of the house, so and he passes away, unfortunately, you know, and then you know who gonna take care of the bills and all that. So we want to open like a funeral, Muslim funeral home, you know, for to to help the community, you know. So. You know, everybody, like always, some people were saying, oh, you guys are crazy, who gonna pay that and all this, because opening a funeral home, people, is not like opening any kind of coffee shop, something, <laughs> you have inspection daily, you have, you have to get the funeral vehicle, one of the vehicle just costs like, the hearse, it costs around 150000 because those are special cars. Wow. And so, you know, so we started opening the funeral home, building the funeral home. It took us around one year and a half or two years to build it because majority West County community, you know, you know, most of them are, you know, especially from Pakistan, they're like well-educated doctors and all this. So they kind of even to open the funeral home to help the Muslim community when somebody passes away mm -hmm. to to kind of cut them down, you know, with instead of paying four or five thousand for funeral, you know, basically you have a free funeral home, you just have to give sadaka if you want five hundred, that's what we ask, so we can cover the bills, you know, electric and all that, the, the wooden planks and all that, because, you know, the another funeral home, just somebody to take you from hospital to funeral home it costs around eight hundred dollars wow if somebody to drive you from funeral home to to cemetery that's another eight hundred for wow. the wooden ten wooden planks it will cost six hundred dollars so we were like you know let's you know because we, we you know the muslims are very open casket and you know we were like 
you can be technically get wooden planks from Home Depot, you give them dimension and all that, and the casket, you know, we build, we go to Home Depot, we build all, like the whole open casket, and the wood planks, we get it from Home Depot and all that, and because majority in the funeral home is also like House of Goods, it's basically volunteers, you know. Mm-hmm. Even doing the when somebody washing of the body, if the family cannot do the washing of the body, so we have volunteers that do that and all that. And you know, and we open. Well, that's what you know was happened. We opened the f- first funeral home, and then kind of that kind of started me to do house of goods. I went to hey, if you have funeral home, come on guys, why don't we just you know open like a something like a goodwill? But we now because. It started with the Syrian effigy, you know, we wanted, but then I realized, what about other effigy? You have Somalians mm-hmm. that live in the North City, and all these, there's a big family, you have a lot of, you have Hispanic community that also are poor, you know, and in St. Louis. Let me ask you this, um, when it comes to helping those folks, I know you and I talked about it. Some are trying to abuse the system, Jim, right? Yeah, that's the big issue. There's a lot of, you have in, in charity business, it's very hard. I uh, basically be, because of people like that, I lost a lot of volunteers, you know. And people they're like, you know, oh, as, you know, I first time started, we used to have a lot of volunteers, or especially Palestinians and even Palestinians, be you know, kids come. But when they see, you know, that some of them are abusing the system, they say, like, hold on. When I came to this country, I didn't have no couch, I didn't have nothing, you know. And these it, people are trying uh, to say, uh, I don't want this couch. I, I want, want this couch. couch. But we had our effigy lady, you know, she been. One example, she was here one week, and you know we are carrying this, you know, good couch, you know, because majority people that donate stuff and even tell them like, hey, you know, we don't take junk, and they donate good stuff, you know, and this couch was good, and she didn't like it because of the cow, the cow was white, and then the other one said, what the hell is wrong with this lady? So then it's kind of like encourages people to come on here. They're like, man, forget them, you know. So now I'm I came trying to, to help them. And yeah, when I came to this country, I didn't even have a couch. It took me probably six months. So that was the main, you know, it's kind of also, I always wanted to do that because when I came to the United States, nobody brought us a couch, nobody brought us a table, and all this. I mean, the the International Institute, they give you some stuff and all this, and then basically, you know, for all that stuff, they charge you, you know, you have to pay, you know, they take take it from your welcoming money that the government gives you and all that, you know, whatever, you know, for the three months that I pay rent, you know. So I was like, well, I want to just help the people, you know, these people just came, let me give them a foot. But to the point I came that they started abusing, some of them abusing citizens, they would just come, you know, to the house of goods, oh, where's my Ramadan gift, where's all this, you know, where's my Eid gift? And I was like, hold on, man, what do I have to give it to you, Eid gift? You know? I said, brother, sister, you have to work, if you make, you know. And it's fortunate some people st- abuse it. But, you know, you always, you know, I tell people, hey, you know, you know, I could have given up too, you know, because I said, well, well if these people are going to, someone going to abuse it, you have to understand, you have always, it doesn't matter what nationality, race, religion, you're going to have good and bad. You know, there is no such a thing as perfect nationality or perfect religion, you're always going to have some bad apples, you know, that's majority people. No, you're right about yeah. that, JMO, and as you said, there's always going to be people. That yeah, but in every nationality system. or group of people or community, you know. 
Well, my friend, and you know, we've talked a, a lot about all the issues that, that we wanted to raise with you. Is there anything that we have not asked you that you would like to add? I think I, I one of the one of the issues that we talked about previously that we didn't raise just yet, and 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 Mr. Lolich is involved. That is the opioid crisis. Yeah, opium. Kind of yeah, well. yeah, we see it. I see it a lot in uh, being a police chaplain. Not only in the Bosnian community, there's even other communities. You know, even the. Uh, you, we see it in Afghani community, in different communities, uh, you know, especially younger generations. You know, main reason for that is also, you can say, is social media, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, kid, these kids, you know, and, you know, the self, also the technology, the culture has changed. When I came to this country, I didn't have no cell phone. It took me maybe a couple of years to get that flip razor, you know. Yeah and all this and now you have kids uh, majority of this younger generation they demanding they want an iPhone they want an iPad now and all this to the problem that kids you know they don't have enough responsibility I started to my first job was when I was 16 years old I was you know working you know I was doing something majority of this younger generation have no responsibility most of the parents, especially when it comes to Bosnian community, you know, they are working hard, you know, either either father is a truck driver, so you don't know, or mother is working maybe a job in a factory or someplace, you know, so to the point, you know, that, you know, they don't, they can, they don't have time to watch over the kids, you know, and even, you know, parents, they try their best, you know, I doubt many cases, they really try their best to kids but the kids you know it's the culture you know especially new generation you know because now we have a cell phone technology have everything so you know it's kind of they have easy access they see it on the on the social media look at what they're doing they you know all this they're making easy money doing all that you know they don't have to but at the end you know when parents you know like i had cases they, they cannot help these kids no more and they say i'm either they get sick or tired old at the end these kids realize you know when when the parents cannot pay the bills who gonna pay then you know are gonna be homeless and it's that's the problem but that's a very crisis and it's very hard like even dr dennis said you you know you can those uh, kids you know they have to help themselves you know another thing is it's like we don't especially when it comes to the uh, immigrant community the Boston community we don't have no like uh, like a place like a co like a center that these kids can come even play the basketball soccer because even if you want to organize like a basketball tournament it costs money you know you have to rent a thing rent a sala or rent you know rent a space or even ask somebody to give you a space that takes time you know and the problem is also even i was telling you know you know we always especially in Boston community we need a culture center or basic center for these kids to come hang out you know so they can stay a little bit later you know play basketball or do something you know to not get in trouble not get in trouble because it starts like that you know another thing you know i have majority you know kids sometimes they come to house of goods community service that's another thing that that they it can help a kid, you know, not to think, you know, about the drugs and all that. 
but you sometimes it works, sometimes it does. It's very you know hard, you know, to the point, you know. No, you're right about that, and I see it in my work as well. Uh, what you just mentioned, but um, at the end of the day, there's only so much you and I can do. There's so much you can do because you're not Superman. Because I get calls when it comes to those issues from parents, from all this, you know, and they do have like you know these free centers, you know that there are not so many of them and there's only like two in St. Louis that are basically free and most of the immigrants, immigrant families do not have insurance, you know, mm-hmm. that's another problem. Like when it comes, you know, even I used to tell before we open a funeral home, even to, even to this day I tell people, you know, it's good to get a life insurance because if, if the person that is basically the head of the house, he passes away, how you gonna survive? You have to pay that mortgage. You have to do that. You know. I mean, especially Boston community. You know, they are very generous people. You know, they always help. You know, and it will. But to the point that even the people cannot help because everybody works paycheck from paycheck. Some people work two jobs. You have police officers who are working two jobs in doing security or secondary job like me and other people. You know. And, you know, people think, you know, a lot of people back home think, you know, hey, you in America, you're making money. No, we got bills too. It's not that, you know. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Well, Jemo, that is all I have. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we really appreciate all the work that you're doing for the community and all the great things that you have accomplished so far, um, helping the less fortunate team in the area. And we continue to wish you best of luck, support you as much as we can. Thank you. And thank you for being with us. Uh, I decided to leave a bit earlier today, so he's not going to be signing off with us. Everybody, thank you. Stay safe out there, and we'll be talking to you next week. Thank you.